Adams out across. No room to shoot. Extra feed and a drive. They score. On a broken play. Broken in two different places. And he dealt it back for Russell. And the defenseman puts it home for a 1-0 Oilers lead. CeCe shoots. Tipped into the goal. Cody CeCe wires it from the right point. It sneaks inside the right post. And the Oilers take a 2-0 lead in the first minute of the third period. A couple of players on it for the Knights. Watt guides it out high. Martinez gives it away. Here come the Oilers. A chance up the left wing side to the net. They score! It's another for Warren Fogle. Oilers coming out shorthanded with it. Nugent Hopkins all the way to the net. Thompson tries to stop the loose puck. And it goes behind. The referee has not signaled that no, it's a goal. Oilers have begun to celebrate. The lights are on. Crowd is cheering. But the goal, unless the goal rocked on its pegs and the puck went underneath it, yeah. the puck ended up in the trapezoid. The, the officials just, are going to review it. The referee signaled no goal. Just crushed my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. And shout out to a simpler time in America when all of us were captivated by the California Raisins. The Golden Knights take on the New Jersey Devils tonight. Back at home against a bad team. They should win. They need to win. Uh, but coming off their road trip where they went 1-1-1, one, one, and one, they got three points in three games against Calgary, Edmonton, and Vancouver. I told you last week, Ed. So Pete DeBoer last week came out and said that the Golden Knights were not going to clinch or be eliminated from the playoffs over this three-game road trip in Canada. And I told you, well, if they lose them all, they'll be eliminated. Maybe not officially, but they'll be out. And then I took it a step further and said, on Monday, I will tell you whether or not the Golden Knights are going to the playoffs or not. Are you ready for that prediction? I think I know which way you're going. So they entered this three-game road trip, two points behind the LA Kings. Both teams played three games in five days. Vegas picked up three points. LA picked up four. So now the Golden Knights are three games back. Golden Knights have six three left. points. Three points back. Golden Knights have six games left. Kings have five. So game in hand for Vegas. But that means they don't control their own destiny. LA does have to lose for the Golden Knights to make the playoffs. But do you remember the key that I told you last week about the Golden Knights making the playoffs? Oh, God, no. They had to. <laughs> <laughs> they, Jared, <laughs> they had to make up ground on the LA Kings in that three-game stretch. And the reasoning was that that three-game stretch was about as tough as it gets for LA the rest of the way because they had to play Colorado, who blew the Kings out, but they also had to play Columbus, who granted who they is beat? not a playoff team, but if you look Good at the rest of the line. schedule, is better than who they play. They did beat Columbus. So if you look at it, money puck the rest of the way projects the Kings to get six more points. Projects Vegas to get seven more points. Basically a little bit more than one point per game for each team the rest of the way. If that happens, the Golden Knights are not going to the playoffs. Right. The Golden Knights they are missing the playoffs. Two points. Right. They will not be in the playoffs. Here's the problem for the Golden Knights. LA's schedule is so bad that I think they are more likely to finish more than six. I think they're getting more than six points to end the year. And I don't know that Vegas is getting more than seven to end the year. And here's LA's remaining schedule based on where those teams are in the overall standings. 22nd, 27th, 22nd, 30th, 18th. And that 18th team is Vancouver. That's the final game of the year. 
Vancouver will have been eliminated. There's an almost 99% chance that Vancouver will have been eliminated from the postseason for that game. They won't really be playing for anything. So even the one maybe decent team left on the schedule likely has zero motivation to play that game against the LA Kings. The LA Kings have a god-awful schedule. That is a horrific schedule. The Golden Knights schedule honestly isn't difficult, but it's more difficult than the Kings. The Golden Knights remaining teams, 28th, 12th, 23rd, 14th, 27th, 8th. St. Louis. There are some bad teams on there, but there's also three current playoff teams. And if you start trying to work through the scenarios here, imagine the Golden Knights win four of their last six games. It's pretty good, right? That'd be a good finish to the year. That'd be eight points. If LA goes three and two, LA's in, Vegas is out. So even if you go four and two the rest of the way, all the LA Kings have to do is beat three of those five god-awful teams, and the Kings are in the postseason, and the Golden Knights are not. So what that means is the Golden Knights need one of two things. They either need to win like five Five of their last six, maybe six of their last six, but they probably need to win like five of their last six, or you could technically win four, have two overtime losses. That's the same amount of points. Or the LA Kings have to collapse against terrible teams. The LA Kings have to go like one and four or two and three against five non-playoff teams. I do not believe either of those things happen. The Golden Knights are missing the playoffs. I thought you were going the other way. You thought I was going to say they were in? Yeah, I thought you were going to say they're in. What could have possibly happened in the last couple of weeks or last couple of days that I would uh, said they I were in? I thought you were going to think that the Kings would fall down the stretch. No. I do not believe okay. the Kings are going to fall apart. They are playing terrible teams. Okay. Terrible hockey teams. I think I told you last week they'll lose one to the Ducks. They play the Ducks two out of three, and I think they'll lose one to the Ducks. But that's one loss. They got to lose two more in those last five, most likely. Vancouver's at, on the road. Yeah, but... Uh... Vancouver are going to show up. Who's playing in that but game? But then for again, the Knights are at St. Louis. Right. Golden Knights are not going to the playoffs. All right. You Season said it. is over. You're on the line. Jared? Season is over. Have we locked that in? <laughs> what does is, what is Jared have to do to lock that in? I have no idea. I don't know what lock in means, but it sounds like I do. So if I was behind the. There the are zero right consequences there, if yeah, I'm wrong. No. So <laughs> like, are, no, normally, I'd like to play it on a loop. I'd like to loop no, it. I mean, yes, you guys can play that. I, I, We'd like I can to loop say it. it. The Golden Knights are not going to the playoffs. Yeah, you can just cut that, that and play up. it when they make the playoffs, yeah. but and try to embarrass me. So I guess that's the consequence. But that's there. that's he's not going to be embarrassed. He's going to be like, had they followed my plan, they would have. <laughs> I will no no. I will I will pull the Stephen A. Smith. Ste- yeah. Listen, Stephen A. Smith has perfected this, where he will beforehand he'll say he'll yell about so and so should win because of blank, and then if that doesn't happen, if the other team wins. Stephen A. Smith has a personal vendetta the next day, blaming whoever for for losing. So you will blame the Golden Knights? You, no, for I blame the Kings. The no, I blame the Kings. Oh, you blame the Kings? That, for that'll blowing. be my my go to here. Okay, is that if the King? Because listen, if the Golden Knights go six and zero, oh, and the Kings, you know, if the Kings go four and then it doesn't two matter or whatever. The Golden Knights are in, right? The Golden Knights would be in, and then I guess I can't really blame the Kings, but like. If the Kings go one and four to finish the season here and miss the playoffs because of it, I'll absolutely be on here yelling that the Kings suck. <laughs> that I wasn't wrong. The Kings just suck. I'll do that. Yeah, oh, that'll be great. So, Jared, cut that audio. We, we're pre-planning like okay. two weeks in advance. I'll cut the cut, audio. Cut that audio. <laughs> I'll play it right next to me saying Logan Thompson is going to lead them. Oof.
uh, to the Stanley Cup Finals. Golden Knights make the playoffs, play that audio, try to embarrass me, and I'll just yell at the Kings for five straight minutes about how they suck and they blew it. It'll be great radio. People will love it. What if they don't suck and the Golden Knights just go 6-0? and I'll still yell because it means they, they, the I Kings mean, have to lose a game for the, for the Golden Knights to make the playoffs. Right, because it's no longer in yeah. their hands. It's if, no if, longer their destiny. If, right. the, yeah. if the Kings yeah. go undefeated, the Kings are in the postseason. Right. Right, and the no, Golden wait, Knights are out. What if the Kings go four and one, and then the Knights go six and Golden eight? Knights are in. Okay. Uh, well, it would come down to the tiebreaker, but I, the Golden Knights currently right. have it, and if they win all their games, they're probably going to hold on to the tiebreaker. So, Golden Knights are in. So, yeah, it, the Kings have to lose a game to miss the playoffs, and I will focus on that one single game. <laughs> against, if that's what against it Anaheim, yes. I told if, you. If the if it's if it's six and zero oh Golden Knights, four, four and one, one Kings, it will be the loss to Anaheim. It'll be I the one loss in there, and yes. I will I will focus on that one loss. I will give you every reason they lost and call them bums if that happens. Okay. I mean, Pre-planning. Put it in the rundown two weeks from the now, rundown. Jerry. <laughs> Save it for two weeks from now. That will be our show. Uh, good job, guys. That now, could be your. That could be your uh, Bishop's briefs. It would be the whole show. Whole show will just be me <laughs> yelling about the Kings. We'll we'll sort of talk about like Kyrie Irving for a second, and then we'll veer right Go back right into, into you know Kings. who really sucks is like are the Kings. You know who deserves some middle fingers? It's the L.A. Kings, and it'll be great. It'll be tremendous radio. They win the night against New Jersey. Not so sure. I like what. Dave, wow. I'm, I like what Dave Shane said. The Devils said. suck. Devils playing for their jobs. No, they're not. They're getting fired anyways. Uh, Listen, if you're if you if you're what if they lose to the Devils? If they're, you're they're coaching, minus, they're minus three fifty. If you're coaching slash playing for your job with games left in, you already lost it. Minus three fifty. Yeah, they should win. I mean, oh gosh. If they lose tonight, everybody's going to be on my side, right? Of them not making the playoffs. Yes. Okay. Most that, people are still. That's why I had to give you the hot take on Monday. I couldn't give it to you on Tuesday because if they lose tonight, everybody's going to be. Like, oh yeah, it's done. It's over. If they lose tonight, it is close. To damn near over. official. I mean, they're close not going to officially over. be eliminated until there's like two games left. Right. But you lose to New Jersey tonight. Jesus. My God. Like this is one of the bad teams that LA gets to play. You've got to beat all of them. Plus, you got to beat some of the. Do good they get teams. to play Jersey? No, no, they don't get to play no, New Jersey. No, they but play it's like just, the Blackhawks. It's comparable. And, it's Anaheim right. twice, it's Chicago, Anaheim. Vancouver, and I'm blanking, and Seattle. New Jersey and like Seattle are like the same right. bad, crappy team. So it's basically like playing Seattle, but they're from the East. They got to travel all the way to the West Coast. My God, if you Once lose this lose game, tonight. unbelievable. Oh, man. Fire them all. Not just the power play coaches. Get them all out of here. You lose to New Jersey? Let's see here. Bring back Nikita Gusev. To New Jersey, see if he can score Minus the goal at the end of the season. Kings don't play tonight. Kings play tomorrow, right? Or do they have multiple? Yeah, days they're off? at the Ducks tomorrow. Yeah, one of the one of the two they're going to lose to the Ducks. They lose. Golden Knights lose tonight. Kings win tomorrow. Woo! We'll be getting close to mathematically eliminated. And now you know, you know who's here. Here's Wednesday. Capitals are here Wednesday. Oh yeah. Now you know what's going to happen. Golden Knights win tonight, and then Anaheim Kings. beats L.A. And then the then Golden Knights will control their own destiny, their destiny again. again. They've controlled their destiny like seven times. And then they've, and they've, and they've probably lost, lost the less Immediately lost yes. control of their own yes. destiny. <laughs> We've said that. You know, they control their destiny, and then that night they lose like four to one. <laughs> it's great. I love it. So they're not going, though. It's over. It's done for. They're not good enough to go 6-0 and to finish out the year. Not good enough. All right. It's not happening. And the Kings aren't bad enough to lose three or four times to these crappy three teams. Three or five? Yeah, it's just not happening. Uh, they're not they're not the Kings are not bad enough to lose those games 
They'll, they might lose one or two, but they're not bad enough to lose three or four of them, which is ultimately what the Golden Knights are going to need or to win all these. And they're not winning all of them because who, who starts in Golden Knight? I think Logan Thompson. I does. do too. That's my I think assumption. Logan Thompson does. But I've been the, the question that I've sort of been curious about and been yelling at all of you. How how much margin for error does he have, right? Because he he wasn't good. Well, if he loses tonight when they're a minus three fifty, <laughs> then Leonard's probably in net on Wednesday night against the Capitals. Because like Thompson wasn't good. He wasn't the biggest problem, but he wasn't good in Edmonton. And so I wonder, was he one game away from going back to Leonard the entire time, or was he? Hey, yeah, okay, it was one bad game. Let's see what happens there. I'm curious. I think Thompson starts. Tonight. I did too. Oh my! Oh, I never mentioned this. My favorite part of the game against Edmonton. Logan Thompson uh, honored both Flurry and Leonard by giving up goals. He gave up one goal where he laid on his stomach for about four or five seconds before giving up a goal. Robert the one Leonard. that trickled in and they didn't know. You mean the Kane goal? No, 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 no. This was, I think, the second goal of the game. Laid on his stomach. Maybe it was the first goal of the game. Laid on his stomach for like four or five seconds and then uh, Edmonton scored. Robin Leonard does that all the time. Okay. He just stays on his stomach for like six seconds at a time. And then he gave up a breakaway goal, which again, not his fault. On Don't the give up a breakaway. But he tried to do the poke check. Did complete, the poke check like, completely by missed. Yeah, yeah. Flipped it over him into the net. That's yeah. a, that is a flurry classic right there. Whiff on the poke check, give up the goal. That's how they lost to the Sharks. Flurry loved the poke yeah. check. So he, Logan Thompson, and honored, he wasn't very good at it. No. Honored both Flurry and Leonard by giving up goals in that game. Unbeknownst to him. Well, he probably learned it from both of them. <laughs> I learned it from watching you. Yes, exactly. He's like, what would Flurry do here? Oh, I missed. Get himself horribly out of position. <laughs> and it's in the back of the net, and the Sharks are going to round two. Coming up next, it's Bischoff's Briefs. Bischoff's Briefs. I wanted you to see these player evaluations that you asked me to do. Bischoff's Briefs. I asked you to do three. Yeah. Bischoff's briefs. To evaluate three players. Yeah. How many did you do? Bischoff's briefs. 47. Okay. Actually, 51. I don't know why I lied just then. Today's Bischoff's briefs is taking a look at NBA expansion because Adam Silver was on the Dan Patrick show. Didn't uh, make it sound too optimistic. Jared, can we actually play the audio again? So Adam Silver joined the Dan Patrick show. Uh, There have been a lot of rumors about Seattle and Vegas getting expansion teams. It's been going on for a while now, but it's heated up a little bit recently because there's going to be a new $1 billion arena that could host the NBA here. Plus, I think it was a mayor in Seattle said that there had been discussions about Seattle getting a team. Here was the commissioner of the NBA, Adam Silver. No doubt Seattle would be a great market. Las Vegas would be a great market. And so we'll look at it. It's interestingly, it's it's not on the front burner okay. for our league right now. And, and also we're going to go through a new collective bargaining negotiation. I also think there's a lot of uncertainty in the media world right now all these new streaming platforms potentially interested in sports. So it's, it's hard to set the right value. I think that's something we're going to monitor as well. So nothing will happen in, in, in the short or medium term, but we'll turn back to it. It's fine. So front burner is a phrase Adam Silver has used before. He used it last off season after last year ended. There was some speculation that they might jump into expansion, but he said it's not on the front burner last off season. He is saying that again. 
using the exact same phrase, not on the front burner, which implies expansion will happen at some point, but not necessarily anytime soon. He said nothing will happen in the short or medium term. How long is short or medium term to you? Uh, minimum five years. That was where I was thinking. Minimum. And which would mean for expansion, if Las Vegas is to get an expansion NBA team, we're waiting at least five years before they announce an expansion Listening team. to him, you'd think. Right. And maybe longer. Because when you say medium term, that starts to make you think 10 plus years or something like that. Long term would be 20 to 30. So potentially expansion doesn't happen in the NBA for another five or 10 years at that point. And the other part that I thought was interesting he said it's hard to put a price on the, or it's hard to put a value on an expansion team because of the changing media landscape. Because right now, outside of the NBA, the, the major professional sports leagues, they sign national TV deals, but right. all of their teams also sign local regional right. TV deals. And that's where they make a ton of money off of those local deals. But we're seeing a lot more streaming, right? Baseball's doing stuff with Apple TV. I think they're going to do stuff with Peacock at some point as well. Dodgers were on Apple TV the other day. Yeah. So there's more streaming to, you know, national carriers, and that can conceivably lead to more money. But there's also a chance it could lead to some less money because if I'm a regional sports network, right, and you are taking games away from me to put on Apple TV or Peacock or whatever – well, I don't want to give you as much money as I was before because you're taking product away from me right. that I could make money on. So it's a changing landscape as far as the media revenue that leagues will be getting. Presumably, it's still going to keep going up because people always want to watch live sports. That's not changing anytime soon. But that makes it sound like, to me, Adam Silver wants a certain amount for an expansion fee or NBA owners, I guess, not Silver, want a certain amount for an NBA expansion fee. And they haven't found enough people that have said, oh, yes, I will absolutely pay that $3 billion or whatever the NBA owners want. That's me reading between the lines there. But I think the bigger key to all of this, expansion is not going to happen. It's not on the front burner. It's not going to happen in the short or medium term. But we've got Tim Lewecki building a 20,000-seat arena that's going to be ready to host an NBA team. And we've got Tim Lewecki also saying, well, it's ready for an NBA team, but we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. We've talked about it. We both think it would be dumb for somebody to build a 20,000-seat arena off the strip without an NBA team coming because what events are you getting? Uh, It doesn't seem like you're going to honestly make a bunch of money if you don't have an NBA team there. It would be very dumb for Tim Lewecki to build that arena and not have an NBA team in it. If we're not getting an expansion team, that means, my assumption anyways, Tim Lewecki thinks the team's on the move and that they're coming to Vegas in the near future. That we're getting the Pelicans? That's always been the team everyone's gone to first. They've also gone to Memphis. Now, I'm not so sure Memphis anymore with that. They're good now. They have John Morant. I don't know if they'd be... Do you know how great it would be if we got John Morant? Oh, yeah. It'd be ridiculous. (laughs) Get him on the show? <laughs> I don't think so. No, Jared's no. not even listening. Jared has no idea what Bischoff's Briefs <laughs> is about today. Don't turn your mic on now, Jared. So <laughs> I the I don't know what other teams would be a possibility. Pelicans are always the first one mentioned. They're always, always. mentioned. Uh, the the key there's two key things when you're trying to pick out who's going to relocate. One is when a team wants a brand new arena. 
right? Obviously, we just saw that with the Raiders moving here in the NFL. We're seeing that with the Oakland A's. They're trying to get a brand new ballpark. Right. When a team wants a new stadium to play in, they want public money. And a lot of times they'll use a Las Vegas as leverage. But occasionally, they'll actually move if Las Vegas is willing to give them money or if there's a better financial situation somewhere else. So that's the first key to look at. The second one is just simply ownership changes, right? Minnesota is is, is selling. Glenn Taylor's still running the team for like another two years, but that <laughs> we'll see if that if we'll that, see if that happens because we're going to see how they <laughs> protest next. So we'll see if it gets two years out of it. But the Alex Rodriguez, I think Mark Lohr's the name of the guy with most of the money. That group is taking over. There was speculation that those two might move the team, right? Seattle is a possibility. Uh, Vegas, obviously, a possibility. So those are the two keys when a team sells. And when a team wants a new arena, those are the two main things to look at. So I don't know which organizations, I don't know how to predict which organizations will be up for sale in the near future. But if any of them do, that's one you immediately look at and say, okay, would it make sense for that team to go into Lewicki's arena to leave and leave whatever city they're in and go to Las Vegas. And that's the other part. It might make sense for the thunder to leave Oklahoma city to come to Las Vegas. It in no way would make sense for a team to leave a Los Angeles, a New York, no, a Chicago, no. right? Like big market teams. No, it's going to take a lot for them to leave. So it's very, the market that they're also playing in. You could see Minneapolis, even though it is significantly bigger than Las Vegas, you could see Minneapolis, you could see Oklahoma city. You could see Memphis, New Orleans. Those are markets. You could conceivably say, yeah, Las Vegas is a smaller media market, but, but it makes sense. Like and it's you not get a new building, right? You're not complete. You're not leaving Los Angeles to do it. The Clippers right. make absolutely no sense. There no, is zero reason whatsoever for Steve Palmer right. to put a team, move it out of Los Angeles to Las Vegas. It just makes zero sense. So those are the keys to look at. If, if a team in a medium to small market goes up for sale, we'll on this show, we'll immediately start speculating. Yes. Who's buying that team and moving them to Vegas? Lewicki. Yeah, Lewicki's buying them and moving them to Vegas. Like, that's immediately what we'll do because that's the reality right now of Las Vegas getting an NBA team in the, if sooner than the next five years, right? Expansion is going to take seven, eight, ten years or something right now. So if it's I'm sooner than that. I'm interested in what you said, $3 billion. I don't know if it'd be that much, but I'm interested in how much they'd charge for an expansion well, team. I, I mean, It was a year ago, maybe two years ago at this point. Adam Silver said $2.5 billion was low. Wow. $3 billion? Yeah. So if $2.5 I mean, I billion look, I know is there's low, a lot of people out there with that kind of money. Well, that, well, that's no, that's actually I mean, the problem. There's not a lot of people out there with that kind of money. Well, I think there's a lot of people. I don't know if there's a lot of people out there with that kind of money, but not all of them would want an NBA team anyway. Right. And the, what, what that kind of means, and not that this isn't normal, but what that basically means is you have to have a group, right? You've got to have a lead guy. And then you've got to have, he's got to have Derek four or Jeter. five other, not, no, I don't mean Derek Jeter. I mean, four or five other rich people like Wes Edens is bringing maybe, maybe. an MLS team not to Las sure. Vegas. Where the hell's that team, yeah, by the way, where's, the, where's that quarter? We're 18 days into quarter two and we don't have a quarter one announcement, not a shock, but Wes Edens partner. And I always butcher his name, but Nassif Suarez is like one of the richest guys in the middle East, Right. That's the type of partner you need when it's like, yeah, we got to pay $3 billion to get an NBA team. You need, oh, when you go to his Wikipedia page, he's the second richest man in Saudi Arabia. Clarman? Okay. Uh, I don't know if that guy's real. He might not <laughs> he have ever existed. Exists. He might not be a real person. <laughs> Seth Clarman, that deal with downtown Las Vegas never happened. 
I don't know if he's a real human. He really wanted that Cashman site. He did, and I don't know that he's getting Well, hell, he still might get it, but I, that guy might not be real. Who is he? Nobody knows. Never saw him. Did, did anybody ever talk to him? I don't uh, think no. any. I don't think I don't any think, media member here ever talked here to him. Ever quoted Seth Clark? Yeah, I don't think they ever wanted to talk. I don't think he ever wanted to talk. To I don't think he him. wanted to talk. Yeah. I think we would have talked to him, but he didn't yeah. want to talk. Don't know if that guy's real. Coming up next, Sam Gordon joins the show. No, it's nothing new when I come into this building. What it's going to be like, but it's the same energy they have for me, and I'm gonna have the same energy for them. And it's not every fan. I don't want to attack every fan, every Boston fan. But um, you know, when people start yelling <laughs> and all this stuff, it's but so much you can take. Uh, as a competitor and um, you know we're the ones expected to be docile and be humble and take a humble approach not the best the playoffs live from the finley toyota espn las vegas studios this is the press box with graney and bischoff joining us now from the review journal is sam gordon uh sam do you have any game one hot takes from the nba playoffs anybody's going to win the title now that you weren't expecting to win it before game ones uh, I don't know about the title, Tyler, but I, I, I am here to tell you that the Minnesota Timberwolves are going to beat the Memphis Grizzlies oh. uh, in this series. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, a little hometown yeah, cooking. Uh, hey, <laughs> hey, a little, maybe a little bit, but maybe a little bit. But the Timberwolves in that series have two of the three best players. Uh, and in the playoffs, I, I think in the regular season, Memphis relied a lot on their depth. And in the playoffs, you're playing seven guys. And, and Minnesota's top seven is as good as Memphis's top seven or better, plus two superstars, I think. Everything we saw from that game one is totally replicable from a st- strategy standpoint. Um, and, and, and yeah, it's, it's big things popping in the Twin Cities. Right? Game three on Thursday. <laughs> would, would you have told us that before game one, too? Um, no, I, I thought Memphis was going to win a really competitive series. I did, I did like the way Minnesota matched up with Memphis based on their games in the regular season. Carl Anthony Towns uh, able to pull Steven Adams out of the paint and, and open things up. And, and, and then Anthony Edwards... Uh, with his physicality on the wing, I like the way those guys matched up. Uh, but I thought Memphis, you know, coming into the series was was the better team, just kind of based on what we saw um, throughout the course of the regular season. But they're just as young as the Timberwolves, a little younger actually. And and, and the Pat Patrick Beverly factor um, in Minnesota, he's really helped change the culture and change that tide and, and provided a huge veteran presence. Now the Timberwolves, even with with their relative ex- uh, inexperience, they feel a little bit more experienced because of the edge. Um, that he brings. And I just like the way that they played defensively against John Moran. Uh, he, he was not comfortable taking any shots uh, outside of the paint in that game. One only took two shots outside the paint. So he's not trusting his jumper and Memphis doesn't have a ton of shooting. I do expect these games to be fast paced um, and competitive, but no, after seeing game one, that definitely changed, changed my thoughts a little bit. Just seeing how dominant Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards were. Hot take from the Minnesota kid. <laughs> uh, uh, t- give me a quick response. Kyrie Irving. Um, amazing, uh, amazing. And, and yeah, I guess that's the, 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 the one thing I took away from his performance, right? He can do that. He is one of the handful of guys capable of going into a building on any given night and hanging 40 on a team. And, and quite frankly, Brooklyn had no business being in that game. Um, uh, but you know, he, he, he has historically got, it got into back and forth with the Boston fans and it's been a storyline, uh, that's continued throughout the last few years. He, he wonders why it's, why it's an issue. And, why it keeps coming up? Well, this is this is basketball. Like this is the playoffs. Fans have feelings, and that's just kind of the reality of the, of playing at the highest level and where he's at. But if he needs to draw motivation from the crowd or needs to get into it with the crowd a little bit um, in order to bring the best out himself, uh, I don't have a problem with it. I think at the end of the day, as long as it's all in good fun and no real lines are crossed, I, I think the friendly back and forth is okay. Uh, of course, 
you probably don't want to see uh, an athlete flipping the bird to fans. Uh, in, in I the do. Arena, but I hear what he's saying. I do. <laughs> <Yeah>. I do. <laughs> hey, hey I, I hear what he's saying. He's a human being, right? And there's only so much he could take. Clearly, he drew from that crowd last night uh, in a sensational fourth quarter, but it wasn't enough. And then Boston's up one nothing. Uh, on UNLV basketball, they got John Cooper, a former assistant at SMU. Is there any reason to think they could land Kendrick Davis, who is one of, if not the best player in the transfer portal? I think even with John Cooper, it's uh, it's a it's a long shot, Tyler. Right, like you said, given his pedigree, given the uh, the, the the programs, the array of programs um, that that he has interest from and, and can go in day one uh, and transfer to and play for and be an impact player for. You're talking about the who's who of college basketball, but even without. Uh, even without him, even if he doesn't come aboard, uh, I think you take a look at what Cooper brings to the table. He's been an assistant at a number of Power 5 programs, a former head coach. He, he's experienced a uh, little bit of an elder statesman now that Kevin Kruger has on his staff. So, uh, I, yeah, I do think it's unlikely. I do think it's a long shot. Of course, I expect UNLV to make a push. Why wouldn't they? Uh, especially now. Uh, but the situation, there are so many great situations he can step into day one. I do think if he came to UNLV, uh, and if Donovan Williams uh, withdrew from the draft and decided to come back, then you would have something there, right? You would have a team that I think would be more than capable uh, of winning the Mountain West. But but just as where things stand right now, given the array of programs he has interest from, I, I would say it's it's a long shot at this point. You don't think Donovan Williams stays out, do you? No, I, I don't think he stays out. I think at this point, right, where where, where the rules are what they are, it makes sense for for. for for college players, uh, if you're closer, if you think you're at that level, why not go get the feedback? Why not take part in some of the pre-draft stuff and kind of see where you're at? Um, scouts that I've talked to don't don't think he's an NBA player yet, but he does have NBA measurables, right? Six seven, the long wingspan, multiple, multiple uh, can defend multiple positions, uh, runs the floor beautifully, uh, explosive. So there's a lot of tools he has to work with. He's a he's a, a name that that scouts are definitely uh, aware of, but I think the offense right now where it stands. Um, could use a little bit more work and a little bit more improvement. I, you know, that's that's those are the concerns that I've heard. Just his ability at this level to create for himself. Uh, but if we're talking about the next level, that yeah, if he continues to develop, there's definitely a potential role for him given uh, the tools that he has and, and the commitment and the work ethic and the character that he has as a basketball player as well. So within the context that this team has to replace Bryce Hamilton, the leading scorer, not just for UNLV but in the conference. Right now, they've landed Jackie Johnson in the transfer portal who scored nine points per game at Duquesne. Will they land a player better than Jackie Johnson in the transfer portal before next season? Yeah, I I think so. I think there's still a lot of time to work with, and I still still think we might see some more names trickle into that portal as we go through the spring and summer. I think it's no secret, right, guys, that that Kevin Kruger and the staff at UNLV is going to use that portal uh, to their advantage, it's going to become a, a key recruiting tool uh, moving forward. And the Rebels can draw, can pitch to other recruits. Look, look at the track record of some of the, the, the transfers that came over from Power Five programs. Uh, Royce Ham uh, had, an, I thought he, he was certainly one um, that had an excellent year and improved his stock. And, and, and maybe that could be replicable for other players from Power Five uh, programs. But I, I do, with that said, they, they're definitely, I think, is a need and a sense of urgency. Um, to upgrade given what they've lost, right? And, and as things stand right now, again, I believe Williams is going to come back, but you don't know for sure. So you still have to prepare uh, to possibly lose your second-best perimeter player uh, as well. So I would expect an aggressive aggressive efforts in the transfer portal uh, moving forward. I do think they will land a player better than Jackie Johnson at some point. I just don't know when. Are the Aces going to be able to deal with expectations? 
Yeah, I, I do. I, I do think they're going to be able to deal with um, with expectations this year. Uh, and, and it's it's just that there's a new, I guess, a new kind of renewed sense of energy uh, around the franchise with Becky Hammond um, coming and taking over, right? And that's that's no disrespect to Bill Lambeer, who did an excellent job in, in kind of establishing a foundation. And that's the point um, that the new regime has been been hammering home. This was a team that got to two semifinals and the finals, right? There was nothing about that that was a failure. But now – um, with Becky Hammond in the fold, with Asia Wilson, Dierica Hamby, Kelsey Plum, Chelsea Gray, all in their respective primes, along with Jack Young continuing to emerge um, in this league. Yeah, they're going to be top championship expectations. And, uh, and I don't think that I don't think they're going to shy away from those. I don't think they're going to run from them uh, with the experience they have on the roster now and with, with, with the, the investments that they've made in this franchise. This should be a team that, that should compete for WNBA championship um, this year, semifinals or, or finals at the very least. Um, uh, again, I do think we're going to see stylistically a very, very different, um, a very different style of play. I think they're going to spread it out a little bit more, more threes. I think you're going to see Asia Wilson and Dierka Hamby uh, stretch out to the three-point line. Uh, Asia Wilson especially, given that she hardly shot any threes at all during her first four years um, in the league. It's going to be very different, but I think it's going to be very, very effective, and I think the Aces understand what's in front of them, and they're going to be able to deal with them um, better this year, given, given kind of the, where everything is in the league and where they're at as a franchise. The expectations are high, and they should be, and I know they're ready to go. What do you think we learn about Becky Hammond as her first year as a head coach of the Aces? Oh, that's a um, that's a great question. I, I think we're just going to kind of, you know, this is a very general answer and kind of generic, but just get a general sense of how she's going to run the ship and how she's going to run the show. That was so much of why she wanted to come to Las Vegas was to be a head coach and to finally have the opportunity to build her own program. And we're really going to see what that looks like. I think she's going to showcase her coaching acumen, her directors and O's, uh, I think we're going to learn about how, how she has rela- her, her relationships with players and how she, she manages and, and, and navigates um, dealing with star players, right? I, I think all, all the stuff out of San Antonio was that she was excellent um, from a player development standpoint, excellent with, with, with the guards and with the star players, and really, really valued in that program. I think her voice is only going to be augmented more uh, in this role, and, and we're going to get an opportunity to see what kind of program um, she's going to build. I, I know internally there's definitely a lot of optimism about what she brings to the table, and I think that, that, that externally that, that's the, the hope as well, is that uh, it's going to be different, it's going to be kind of a new era, and, and it's going to be a more uh, modern style of play for the Aces while still contending for championships. Sammy, before we let you go, we have to talk about this story. Uh, uh, sad yeah. story, Spring Valley High basketball star Elijah Gales was shot at a party. You had the story yesterday. Um, I know a lot of people out there know her, committed to USC. Um Give us an update just for the people who listening who might have read your story and who would like an update on Elijah Gales. Yeah, first and foremost, right, an absolutely devastating situation. First McDonald's All-American um, from Las Vegas since 2010, was committed to play uh, at USC, one of the best basketball players in town, um, beloved uh, among her peers, and on Saturday night um, was at a house party when, when some things got out of hand and she sustained um, several gunshot wounds to the legs, right? And this was something This was, from, from, from what I've been able to gather, uh, up to this point, um, this was uh, not necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily say premeditated, but there was, uh, there was, this was a vindictive thing. There's somebody was trying to uh, affect her basketball career uh, in a negative way. And they did just that eight gunshot wounds um, to the legs. She is uh, the, the injuries are not life threatening. That is, that is the positive news. And the most important thing um, she is expected to, to make a, um, uh, from a human standpoint, a, a full recovery. We'll see about basketball. She is a McDonald's All-American, after all, one of the, um, the one of the best players in the country. But again, eight eight gunshot wounds um, to the legs. That's that's going to be a lot uh, to bounce back. She was conscious 
uh, as of this morning, I was told, uh, conscious and awake. Uh, and and the, the hope is, is that she can, you know, continue to make a full recovery. But, yeah, an absolutely um, sad and tragic uh, and devastating situation uh, all the way around. Um, there's, no, there's no place for that. I, I know I'm not saying anything, you know, earth-shattering or groundbreaking, but there's no place for that kind of violence. Um, absolutely devastating, and we, we all certainly hope um, that she makes a full recovery. Thoughts with her and her family. Well, he is Sam Gordon from the Review Journal. Sam, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, Sam. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate it. Have a great day. Take care. I did not have any idea about that story until you guys brought it up during one of the breaks. It, the suggestion there that it was intentional to, and intentional to ruin her career. What? You don't, yeah. I mean, you don't shoot someone in the legs unless yeah. that many times. Like, yeah. You're trying to make a point with what he said. Yeah. Which is just awful. Hopefully she'll recover. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Obviously, everyone hopes that. Yeah. And, I mean, the good news, as Sam said, that she's expected to make a full recovery. So, at least least that part of it should be taken care of in terms of her health and ability to continue to live. Basketball career remains to be seen. U.S. There's some unintended consequences of, you know, what the original good idea of name, image, and likeness was really intended to be. And I, and I think that that's going to create a little bit of an unfair playing field. Everything we've always done in college is, you know, try to be equal so you have some kind of equal parity, competition, whatever. So will there be some changes? Maybe. Uh, do I have the solution? Uh, no. But I think that it's a little bit of the wild, wild west right now, and I think that's what people are trying to bring under some kind of control so that, we don't let things get away from us, and it doesn't impact opportunities for other students. You're locked in the press box. <laughs> Everything's always been equal. He's always Nick Saban is all equal. about fairness. Yeah, it's always been equal with the Power Fives. Everything, I, everything's equal. I actually took that as a threat from Nick Saban. Not him complaining about it. I took that as Nick Saban saying, if this is what we're going to do. Then I'm going to wreck you Yes. All. I okay. mean, he could easily do that, but he already does that. <laughs> hey, now he doesn't. He he lost the national he lost title this year. Okay, but even in the years that he didn't belong in the national title, he got in the. Na- yeah, well, now he's going to belong every year and win it every year. I I I listen to that more as a threat than him actually complaining about it. That was more of a hey, you guys better get this under control, or I'm spending a billion dollars right. on my next right. recruiting class. Right. <laughs> I mean. Famously, they said after he won the first one at Alabama, he was on the private jet home on the phone going, I need this, uh, I need this upgrade, this upgrade, and this upgrade for for our next year's recruits. And apparently, like, the alumni were just, like, drunk, and they are like, we just want to ask, yeah, sure. <laughs> you got it. Um, I wanted to give you uh, another quick update. I went and saw BTS for a yes, second yes. time over the weekend. Same show. No. Uh, they changed each, a little bit. Each show okay. is different. It's a different experience. It changed a little bit. Um, first off, I don't think I mentioned this after the first show I saw. I am still amazed at how diverse the fan base is. You mentioned that about how there were like 45-year-old women in your section along with 18-year-old women. Not just the age. I mean like the, the races or ethnicity. So obviously K-pop boy band, right? Right. 
you have Asians and white Americans that right. you would expect to be the two most popular fan uh, groups of fans. And that's, they probably are, but ton of black people at this show at both shows. I went to at one point, they showed on the screen, either a Mexican flag or like a Mexico loves BTS sign. Unbelievably loud. How it's many people overall culture yelled and screamed yeah. about this. There was uh same thing, not as loud, but same thing happened when there was a Brazil flag shown on the screen and then if i if i know my flags correctly i also saw a puerto rican flag and a dominican republic flag in the crowd at this it's unreal it's It's, amazing what they've done unreal how diverse it is but my favorite part of seeing bts uh this weekend on friday behind us in the row behind us was a guy and I, i think he was with his daughter i'm under the impression that he had no idea who bts was right he just took her he loved it. <laughs> he, the entire show, he was like, this is amazing. <laughs> he was like, this is awesome. He's like, these guys are great. He was like, they know how to work the state. He loved every minute of this thing. And it was like one of the, it was like the best part of the show. Now like, these, were you in the same section? Not, no, obviously, no, obviously we, not the same seats. We were three rows from the top for this one. We bought the like, cheapest tickets. Oh, really? Tickets. Yeah, yeah. We bought the cheapest tickets we could find. Because you'd already seen yeah, him. Yeah, because we saw him once. So we bought the cheapest tickets we could find for this one. But it was like this guy loved it. And it, I don't think he knew anything that was going on. Coming in? He was just blown away by the entire performance. It was like this. It, like in all seriousness, he was acting like this was like one of the coolest nights of his life. It was great. That's pretty awesome. I once took a girlfriend to see Ka- Katy Perry for our like anniversary or something, and about halfway through, I was like texting my friends, "Oh my god, we got to go see Katy Perry!" <laughs> like, "Oh my god, this show is amazing!" <laughs> I went to see Katy Perry like three times with my After guy friends. Yeah, with just my guy friends. Like, we just were like, "We're going to see Katy Perry." Great. I'm of the belief any popular artist that you know at least half Something of their about. songs by or at least the chorus of them, go see them, right? Like, maybe don't pay a bunch of money, but, like, you're going to have fun if you go see them. Yeah. Because, like, my, my girlfriend used to work at Caesars, so I got to go to quite a few shows that they did at the Coliseum there or whatever. Like, I saw Lionel Richie live. It was incredible. <laughs> I couldn't even I couldn't even name a Lionel Richie song for you right now, but I knew a bunch of them. I was like, oh yeah, I know these. You songs. know that song, yeah, exactly. Was incredible. Was awesome, right? I think I I saw Gwen Stefani was great. Uh, the Backstreet Boys were great. Like, I don't care about these people, but every single time I went, I was like, this is a terrific show. I'm glad I did this. It's phenomenal. So if you know the, song, I would have felt the it. same way about Garth Brooks if not for the acoustics <laughs> inside Allegiant Stadium because sounds, that was how was the sucked. sound system the other night? Sound still sucked. Yeah, still was bad. Yeah, not great. But e- even after our rant, nah, yeah, they're not, they're not listening to the press. They're not taking Tyler Bischoff's notes no. on the BTS no. concert to heart. Unbelievable. But yeah, so go see them. It's great. BTS. Are, they're gone now. Yeah, they're gone. You can't see them now. But wherever they go again, I don't know. They said like three times they were coming back. So well, I mean, they sold out two straight <laughs> <Exactly>. weekends. <laughs> were they Friday and Saturday? Yeah. Friday, Saturday, both. They sold out four shows. Yep. Wow. Yep. It's impressive. That's amazing. It is. I'm, it's un, it's unreal. And and that's a sign of true kind of greatness when you, like, Jared and I were like, when you go over cultures, when you cross over borders, cross over yeah. cultures like that, you have made an impact that very few bands 
ever have. Really. The two the two girls sitting next to me talked to each other in Spanish the whole time and then sang the lyrics in English and I'm pretty sure they sang some of the Korean lyrics too. <laughs> a lot of smart people up there in uh, section 5657. <laughs> so like it would yeah, it's it's unreal how how they've crossed. It it's like it's got to be the most diverse event I've ever been to. Cuz usually you go to a concert there's one demographic that a band appeals right. to, right? They, yeah, don't, they right. don't really yes. appeal to multiple demographics. You go to sporting events, it's one demographic right. that goes to sporting events. It's got to be the most did diverse you, event. Did you buy water did. this time? I did buy a water, and I tipped him. I felt bad because of you guys. 